0: We should be judged on our actions, which is more of a manifestation of those attitudes and behaviors. And therein lies the challenge. I'm Albert Co. and I'm the Bureau Manager for Construction Management in the Building Design and Construction Division of Public Works. I'm a first-generation Chinese-American and very proud of it. I was born and raised in San Francisco and have lived here my entire life. Growing up, we were always seen as different, and and it was tough. Racism was rampant at, at those times, and it's, it's very apparent. Uh, when white was considered the norm and anything outside of white is something to be ridiculed, there were a lot of... Uh, Racist remarks, and they would try to mock you. And it wasn't just uh, any single event; it it was just all over the place. Uh, They mock uh, just everything that you wear. We would get remarks like, "Do you know kung fu?" and and did you have chop suey for lunch? And I don't even know what that is. And uh, uh, you know, it's not just one or two people saying it; a lot of people were saying it, and. When you speak your native language, uh, people would look at you and say, you can't speak that here. This is America. And it's sad to say, but some some of us would feel ashamed that our parents would only speak that. And we would say, don't speak that in public. You're going to call attention to ourselves. As a kid, you never want to be picked on. And you always wonder what you did wrong. And a lot of times you just wanted to be treated as equals. That's all. And you wonder, um, what would it be like if I were white? And I didn't think that because I was ashamed of who I was, but more so, what would it be like being treated as an equal? Because growing up, I never felt that way. We always had to overcompensate, and, and schooling was the only opportunity we had to really um, do something about it. Uh, study hard, uh, do well on tests, study even harder. There weren't too many activities going on when we were kids. It, it's so, there's so many more opportunities now. But back then, we were in a bubble in Chinatown. Society didn't reach out with interpretations in every language. We had to interpret everything for our parents and ourselves. And when you venture outside of Chinatown, you weren't exactly welcomed. You were always seen as someone different. That wasn't a good feeling. You always felt excluded. And that felt really bad. It was like someone playing a game, and they said, we could all play except you. You know, fear of missing out, FOMO, that's a real thing. And it was worse than we were kids. This is kind of sad, but we learned to accept this. We said, that's not gonna change because of who we are. I can't make myself white and suddenly be part of a team. And that's why remarks by our current president, uh, Kung flu hits such a nerve. The racism is still out there and it's just hidden better. But when we were growing up, uh, we were always treated as second class citizens and we felt that way. But uh, hope was the only thing that kept us going and that our parents came to America because it was going to be uh, a better life. There was the promise of a better life if you work hard. And that's what we did. And that was what was ingrained in us by our parents. And they would always tell us, avoid trouble, look down, don't be involved. This is the norm of growing up in America. So uh, we have to live with that and accept it and do our best with those obstacles. The first instinct for a parent is to protect their kids. And I worry about how they grow up in society. And I don't want them to go through what I did. So I try to tell them be proud of who you are. I mean, you're Chinese American. Be proud of it. You you have a lot of things to be proud of. And I want to make sure that they feel like that every day, that they could go out and feel like they belong, and they don't have to feel like a second-class citizen going out. My kids will have more of an advantage than I did because I know how hard it is. I am in a better position to make sure they don't go through that. Children don't succeed in silos. They thrive in communities. And I really believe that, that the rising tide lifts all ships. And when we join organizations that uh, celebrate communities rather than individuals, we're in a far off better place. I want my kids to not grow up in a bubble, but grow up and thrive in a community. And I feel that the communities need a little help that they need to do a lot more bridge building. And I don't want to just complain about that, what's not there. I want to be part of the solution and to build these bridges and to help build these communities. And I know it's kind of corny that I want to build a better future for my kids. And I know we say that a lot, and that's all we want for our children. But you have to do it. So that's why I take the lead on a lot of these events that I want to set the example that, look at your dad. You know, dad believes in what he says, so I'm going to role model it for you. Currently, I'm the district president of the second district of the California State PTA, representing San Francisco County at the state level. I also head coach a few Uh, volleyball teams for the CYO program and for Roosevelt Middle School. I'm also involved in a lot of small community groups at work and on the weekends. I'm active in Local 21, active in COJ, which is the Coalition of Asian American Government Employees. Uh, I always like to promote any other community building events. Uh, I, I like to be involved. We accomplish more together than we do separately. And for any, any event to be successful, we need to bring people in and uh, build that bridge together. I think with any movement, the number one thing is awareness. Uh, awareness has to be there for people to understand What's the problem? And why are these things important? So I think the Black Lives Matter movement is great. And I think the issues that it raises are great. Uh, Racial equity for all. I think it's amazing. But I'm tempering my hopefulness with reality because the last time it happened was 60 years ago when we had major uh, protests on the same topic and not to be cynical but have we made significant progress i know we passed a lot of legislation in the past uh six decades and things are getting better but it's hard to change attitudes and behaviors are we just better at hiding how we truly feel it's so easy to convince people to say the right things but we should be judged on our actions which is more of a manifestation of those attitudes and behaviors, and therein lies the challenge. I always hear people say, hey, go back to where you're coming from. Well, I was born here, right? But I don't think that's the point. It's not like I could carry my birth certificate around with me and then show them, look, I was born here, and suddenly, oh, I'm sorry, I guess it's okay then. Right? It's based on my appearance that I can't change. And because of that, the attitudes won't change either. There's still some scars left over from, from growing up and, and being thought of as a second-class citizen. And, and I know the rhetoric is out there that we are all equal, and, but is that really how we treat each other? I mean, the attitudes and behaviors are still out there. And that's more true now because we have a president that just doesn't think it's a big deal. We should all be treated as equals, not by how we look or where we came from, but because we're all human beings and we should all be treated as human beings. And that's tempered by the Black Lives Matter. And it's, I think we're at a tipping point where it's been like this for a long time. And I think at this point, enough is enough. Thanks for listening to Snapshots, a public works podcast.